We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Sup? I think that this week's podcast, not our video, but our podcast, this will be the hundredth episode of our podcast we've released. Really? We're just rolling along. Awesome. Yeah. And then we are going to have our comment response, question response video next week. Okay. So just remind everybody, if you have any final questions before this next round, uh, be it for this video or any others. And mainly about the themes of the books we've been discussing and how small passages might fit into those themes. Yeah. There might be a couple from past ones that have come in that we'll cover, but mainly on these, yeah, these latest ones about the books. That's what we're going to be covering. So for this week, we're already open to it, but tell them, where are we at this week? We're going to the New Testament book on social justice, which is quite relevant right now, the book of James. Book of James. Okay. Yep. I like this book. I do too. It's it is a very relevant book. It's relevant. <laughs> okay. Or relevant, yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's <laughs> dive in. Let's do that. All right. Many people study the book of James as if it's a random bunch of sayings. It's really not at all. Mm. It is a is a discussion of what people are going to do with their Christianity in the in the face of a real class war. Mm. Now, this might be a class war like it was in the uh, book of James between the haves and the have-nots. It might be a race war, which is probably largely also a class war. Yeah. Um, But what shall we do in the presence of actual brutal conflict as Christians? How shall we live? Right. Because this is written to, like, a church. It's Mm, not... No. No, it's not written to a church. If you look at the first verse, read it for me. All right, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion greetings. Yeah, the diaspora were those Jews that were scattered outside of, of Palestine into the nations. Okay. And the text itself seems to indicate that the backdrop of this book had to do with some kind of actual killing type war that was going on between mm-hmm. people that had plenty and people that didn't. And the Jewish communities, at least in some areas, were caught up in this war. Okay, so maybe to clarify that, it's not written to a particular like group of church members, but is it written to To Christians? Christians. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's more what I was going for. It's not not like Corinthians to a church, but it's written to Christians. Yeah, there we go. Jewish Christians. Okay. Now go down to verse nine of chapter one. Here he begins in in chapter one, verse nine through eleven, talking about. The haves and the have-nots, or in his order, the have-nots and the haves. Read that for us there, Brother Jed. All right. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. 
For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. All right, this isn't some random statement about the rich and the poor. It's setting up a mentality for the poor man as a Christian to feel how blessed he is to be a mm. Christian and for the rich man as a Christian to, to realize how fleeting are material things and how important is the spiritual situation. Yeah. He follows that up in verse 12 with a statement about temptation. Mm. The reason is because in the present state, they were being tempted to, to fight with each other and kill each other. Yeah. And then he tells them in verse 13, don't say now when you're tempted in the midst of this war, we could say if, if there's people rioting in the streets or if there are people arguing heatedly over, yeah. over these issues that we're facing today, don't say that you're being tempted by God. Because God's allowing this situation. Yeah. It's your own pride, your own lust that's drawing you into this temptation. Your lust to uh, have your own way. Your lust to, to feel better or have power over yeah. another person. Your lust to take vengeance on somebody who's wronged you. Yeah. Whatever those lusts might be. Hmm. So then if you go down to verse 19, which is key, uh, 19 and 20, read that. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Wow. So, so many people today in the conflict between races or classes that's happening in our own nation mm. need to be quiet and really try to listen to each other. Figure mm. out where your brother's coming from, you know. Yeah. Because... Getting mad and blowing up, he says in verse 20, does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Yeah. So the haves and the have-nots, I mean, you can go to every revolution that's ever occurred in the history of mankind that I know about, from the Bolshevik to the French Revolution to whatever others. American and they, Revolution. And, and, <laughs> well, but that most of them were about this very thing, mm. the, the tension between people that had the power and had the wealth and people who didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right? So come down to verse 26. Okay. He says you better keep a rein on your tongue if you're going to have pure religion in the face of this war. Yeah. And also reach out to those powerless people mm -hmm. of the lower mm -hmm. classes like the widows and the orphans and be sure you're taking care of them. Yeah. So in these kinds of conflict, the powerful need to be looking after the powerless. Yeah. And the powerless don't need to be trying to take vengeance on the powerful. Right. In chapter 2, he stays with the same theme, really, because he talks about showing favoritism to the haves over the have-nots. Mm -hmm. And here he talks about people that come into your church service that might be dressed really nice, and obviously they're wealthy, and people that are poor that come in and how they might be treated differently. Right. That's social injustice when we treat one group uh, better than another, but it's not just social injustice. Social meaning interaction between people. Yeah. It's divinely disapproved injustice. Hmm. Read especially there verse 4 when you do okay. that. Verse 4 says, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Ah, so when we judge other people based on their race or their mm -hmm. economic status or their education or whatever... And our evil thoughts are that they're less valuable than we are, whatever. We're doing exactly what this says, okay? So, if we're going to draw modern comparison or previous past comparison, would this be the same thing of us saying, you guys sit in the balcony? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, so when we have a group of people specifically bringing it modern, you have our black brothers and sisters that say, for the longest time, if we came into your church, we had to sit basement, balcony. Yeah. That's what this is speaking to. Absolutely. But mm. more modern, we're not in that situation today, hopefully. Yeah, I hope not. We should be going up and shaking hands with, with the poor people, no, regardless of the color, with with mm. every person of all races and welcoming them in to our midst to sit with us just like anybody else. Yeah. All right. So go down to verse 8, which is okay. key here, 8 and 9. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. All right, if you if you go back to chapter 1, one of our favorite verses down in verse 22 and following, he talks about doing being doers of the word and not hearers only, specifically yeah. in yeah. James. Being a doer of the word means being a doer of that commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Don't when the conflict arises. Yeah. Don't just talk about that command. <laughs> Actually, carry out that command in yeah. your behavior toward your neighbor, whether he or she is rich or poor, you know, educated or uneducated, yeah. black or white or hmm. yellow or anything in between. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, the in chapter two, the second, the last part of it about faith and works is really the same idea exactly. Mm. Faith and works meaning, like chapter one, being a doer of the word as opposed to just to hear, being a true demonstrator of loving your neighbor instead of mm. uh, just saying you'll right. love your neighbor. So it'd, it'd be the the same thing as going, yeah, I love everybody. Yeah, but then you actively separate yourself or continue. to I love show him, but preference. I cuss him. I love him, but I slander him. I love him, but yeah. but I I throw rocks and bottles at him. You know, yeah, that that can't be the case. See? I love him, but I still think that I'm better than him. Yeah, any of those. <laughs> okay, so that's the context of this in uh, chapter two. Mm. So um, go down to chapter three again. Mm -hmm. He says, "Watch your mouth." Mm -hmm. Watch your tongue, because see if you go back to one nineteen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, yeah. slow to become angry, and it looks like from chapter three that those that were in the positions of being leaders or teachers were ones oftentimes that were letting their mouths run away from them and were igniting the conflict mm. and making it worse instead of pouring calming waters on the conflict. Yeah. See? And that doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't supposed to be speaking to the conflict. They just needed to be speaking God's word. They needed to speak God's word yeah. to the conflict in order to quell the conflict, yeah. not trying to do things to inflame the conflict. And yeah. that's obvious. You know, you turn the horse with a little bit. You turn mm -hmm. the whole ship with one little rudder, yeah. which is the teacher's tongue. Right. So we that teach and preach... Oh, my goodness. If we're posting inflammatory, political, or racial, or whatever stuff on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, we are violating this like crazy. Mm. We should watch what we say, and we need to be, uh, as James says in a few verses, peacemakers. Yeah. So who are the real wise people? Down in verse 13, mm -hmm. he says, um, it's not the people with bitter envy, etc. Verse 15, this kind of wisdom is not from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. Mm -hmm. But read verse 17 to the end about real wisdom. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, 
and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And notice how many scriptures before this we can connect with this verse right here. Mm. Uh, Peace-loving, full of mercy, impartial, the first part of chapter 2, mm-hmm. sincere. Uh, you know, uh, you can go back to the part about the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. There's so much of the early stuff in James yeah. that's summarized right there. Yeah, we're seeing that through line. But again, I think a lot of people, they'll hear these things of peace and they start to draw that conclusion of, then we shouldn't talk about those things. Well, we should talk about them, but we should talk about them, as you said, telling the truth in order to make yeah. peace. I mean, it's the same way the book of James, as existing in itself, is drawing attention to the problem, yes. but pushing us forward to make peace with it. Well, notice the last part of the last verse. Mm. It talks about... Uh, Fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those that make peace. Yeah. It talks about a harvest of righteousness. We'll go back to 120 that says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of right. God. So if we're going to, whether we're the haves or the have-nots, whether yeah. we're the whites or the blacks or the Asians or the Indians or whatever we might be, if we're going to let our anger mm-hmm. get the best of us, we're yeah. not going to accomplish righteousness. And the same with like teachers or the people that are being exactly. taught. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And teachers have feelings. We have political stances. <laughs> but we need to be very careful not to let those be sources of division True. among us. True. Now see, verse chapter 4 really gets into what's causing all these quarrels and fights. Yep. You have to remember that the book of James is written against the background of fights and mm. quarrels. Yeah. Are you going to demonstrate your Christian behavior in the context of a quarrel and being caught up into a yeah. quarrel? How are you going to act when all the bad stuff hits the fan? You know, well, how I mean, are you going to act? Verse 2, it calls it out. It says, you murder. Like, And I don't think he's speaking figuratively in this yeah. passage. And and. Read from verse 2 down to verse 3 to see where all this comes from. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly. You spend it on your passions. All right. Do you see in verse 2 where yours translates covet? Mm Mm-hmm. That word is epithumeo, which means to lust, Mm. which is back in chapter 1. You're tempted when you're drawn away by your own lusts. Yeah. See, the have-not wants what the haves have. Yeah. And the haves want to keep what they have. <laughs> and so we have this conflict. But that's the source of these quarrels and even the killing. Yeah. And then he says what you're all doing is you've got worldly values. Yeah. And it's more than just, just to kind of clarify, it's more than them just wanting to keep what they feel is being stolen. It's literally they're trying to keep it in ill-gotten ways. Or, or keep power without keep power and wealth without any, any concern about those that don't have it. Yeah. See? So he calls them in verse 6 and following to humble themselves, all of them, rich and poor. Yeah. And verse 7, submit yourselves to God. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil. That's when you're threatening to get mad and go to war with each other. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God. You know, cleanse your hands, etc. Yeah. The double-minded person of verse 8 is the double-minded person of chapter 1 that is asking for God's wisdom, and God's wisdom is love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. but he or she doesn't really want to do that yeah. in their life. So go down to verse 11. Okay. 
Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. All right, and particularly in James, the law that he has in mind is the is the royal law, mm. love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. See? We're not going back to, like, Old Testament law. We're still contained in his message. So slandering yeah. each other, mm-hmm. you know, let's slander the rich guy for all of what he's done. Let's slander the poor man for being shiftless and lazy and mm. thief or whatever. Slander yeah. is evil. See, yep. that's the tongue. Yep. That's not what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, 413 through 17 is about people who try to do business and make a profit regardless of what it does to other people, mm-hmm. even if it hurts other people. Yeah. And he says, you ought to be asking what the Lord's will is. And if you know to do good and you don't do it, that's a sin. That, that means if, you're, if your interest is profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, mm-hmm. and you don't care what it does to people, that's a sin. You mm-hmm. shouldn't do that. Yeah. See? It should be win-win, not win-lose. Yeah. Win-win is a philosophy not often followed in business uh, yeah. with some people. Some people are great business people that follow win-win philosophies. Yeah. God bless them. But some people walk all over other people. Mm-hmm. Chapter 5, you know, you haven't been paying the wages you're supposed to pay. You've been mistreating your workers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... That's a sin. Yeah. And we need to take a look at ourselves in this country. We're mistreating people that are of lower degree. We need to stop it. It's wrong. It's a sin. Amen. See? (laughs) And uh, he goes on down here in uh, verse uh, 13 and following. And he, well, verse 12 is interesting too. Uh, If you're going to swear, don't swear, but just let your yes be yes. The poor man Mm -hmm. needs to keep his word to the rich man. The rich man needs to keep his promises and his word yeah. to the poor man, and they need to deal equitably with each other. Yeah. See, that's keeping it in the discussion. Yeah, and it's instead of like the concept of the day having this, well, if I say these words, I really mean it. If I just say this, then I don't really mean it. Yeah. And he's going, as a Christian, it should be that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you get down here to verse 16 of chapter 5, read that one for us. Okay. 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and is working. All right, so his point, if you look at the whole book, is you poor people who have burned down the barns and the fields of the rich people and and killed them, or you rich people who have refused to pay your workers and exploited them, mm-hmm. you guys need to get together and humble yourselves, and you need to tell each other you're sorry and confess your sins to each other and pray with each other mm-hmm. and try to understand each other. And when you really get down with each other and try to deal with each other the right way, then you'll actually be doing the law to love your neighbors yourself, and God will heal your situation. See, yeah. that's what he's saying. So verse 19 and 20 mm-hmm. is all of us turning others from the evil of their ways, but we do that by getting down in the dirt with them, hum- humbling ourselves, confessing our sins, drawing each other back to God and away from this worldly, evil, lustful conflict. Yeah. So really the book of James is, as a whole, as a unit, it's during periods of strife and conflict, mm-hmm. like our country is seeing right now. Like the world, but like yeah. our local. Yeah. How do we actually show our Christianity by being doers of the word, 
love your neighbor as yourself. How do we mm. demonstrate that by our behavior yeah. and pull people back to peace? Because the true wisdom from above, you don't get it from shouting and hitting and cussing and hurting and killing. You get it from making peace and understanding each other yeah. and confessing and praying with each other. And it starts in the church. It starts with God's people. Well, that's what he's writing to. Yeah. In the midst of this dog-eat-dog conflict, how do God's people shine as something different here? Yeah. And we can lead yeah. by being what James tells us to be. Mm. Yeah. And so I think that that's probably when we look at this main point of James. A lot of times, like you said, we like to look at it as this parceling of good thoughts and we pull out this thing and we should have the oil from the elders and we should do good deeds and in that it, it's really lovey-dovey Christian stuff I mean yeah, isn't there's it wonderful a, there's a thematic strand that really holds it together yeah and that thematic strand is often more uncomfortable than we want to be it is if there's let's let's apply it even more if there's marriage conflict in your home hmm. how do you show your Christianity husband and wife by dealing with that conflict in the way James says. Yeah. Et cetera. Okay. I'm sure that there's going to be thoughts on that. I hope there's thoughts on this. Yeah. Because it, this one really is, I've always thought of James as a very application-heavy book. It's relevant. Yes. Relevant, relevant, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> so if you have any thoughts or questions you want to know, maybe about a current event, how it fits in, a certain verse that you go, well, that one doesn't apply or whatever, Send it in. We'd love to discuss it more. Same with any of the other books we've done over the last couple weeks. But we want you to grab onto this idea that the overall themes of books, the mm. thing which holds them together, we need to interpret the smaller passages of the book yeah. in concert with its theme. Absolutely. Because most of the time it actually becomes a bigger message Absolutely. in the concept rather than just pulling out that one nice verse that we can write on a wall. Yep. Yep. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.